You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. My name is Andrew, and this is the Who Dat Discussion, powered by Overtime Media. This is going to be another off-season edition of the Who Dat Discussion, but there is a lot, of, a lot of news this week, and we have an interesting topic for our main topic this week on the top five most intriguing games going into 2019. Some fun news topics. We have a lot of Who Dat Nation fan questions. I'd be so happy to answer those. But I do want to start out this podcast by saying it is the one-year anniversary of the Who Dat discussion. And I just want to say to everybody that's ever got involved in the podcast, either if you answered a question, if you only listened to one episode, if this is your first episode, if this is your 75th episode or 76th episode now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for interacting with me. That's all I want to start this podcast. I want to start it, just interact with more Saints fans. And that's really what I've done from the beginning, first day I did it to now, more and more people, you know, answering the questions now. And I'm definitely talking with a lot of Saints fans on Twitter and other social media sites, went down to New Orleans, actually met my first Saints fans there down there. So really overall, it's been the best experience, really one of the best experiences of my whole life doing this podcast. And now being with Overtime Media is just another dream come true of mine. And I just really want to say thank you to everybody that gave us a listen gave us a like, gave us a subscription. All those things are just so... Even even if you listen to our, our you know film studies, that stuff is also just everything... You, anyone who's ever listened, not only the podcast, but just the whole... Anything on the Houdat discussion, I just want to say thank you so much because nothing from the Houdat discussion would have been done without you guys, the fans, and thank you, Houdat Nation. Thank you, fans of the Houdat discussion. Everybody, just thank you so much because I couldn't have done it without you, and we do have some future plans for the podcast. You know, obviously, we are still looking to get some interviews either with other podcasters or other Saints reporters and or players. We're still looking for that. We're going to put some film studies out. I think I may be putting one out either by this weekend, maybe next week on Rashard Matthews because I really like Rashard Matthews, and we'll get on him a little later, but overall, just I, I really the what we're going ahead. Maybe I'll do another live stream, but with doing the podcast and stuff, I'd kind of rather do two episodes a week than one live stream. I don't know what you guys think, but that's just what I feel. So I did dip my toes into the streaming and doing that stuff live streaming, but I kind of like doing the podcast better, and it seems like you guys like the podcast better as well. But definitely comment down below or message me on Twitter if you guys like the live streams. I'll definitely do them, but I, I just feel like people like the podcast more which is I mean like I kind of like doing the podcast more as well so it's definitely no biggie for me and maybe during the season we'll start doing some live streams and I think we're going to start going back to two episodes a week soon and it's just the way the podcast is like I'm putting them out the schedule of it right now it's just putting out on Wednesday. I got to put one out on like Friday so I can get back on that Monday and Friday schedule. That's really the key for me. And um, I, I really just can't wait to get back on schedule, get back to the two week, the Monday, Friday, and really get this podcast going again. We're getting to the season starting and 
Can't wait to talk even more Saints. So I just want to say thank you one more time to everybody listening, everybody that has listened. Thank you so much. So now we're going to move over to some Saints news as there are two pieces of Saints news this week. One being about training camp and the official dates of training camp, and one being about Drew Brees and the ranking of one reporter or analyst. I have air quotes above that if you were watching this. I'm putting analyst in quotes because this guy, I don't know if he's an analyst. Chris Chris Sims put out his rankings. I have a big issue to them, and we're going to talk about that. But first, let's just start off with some training camp dates. So, the Saints rookie training camp starts on July 18th, and then a week later, the veterans have to show up. Usually, the veterans do come a a few days early just to get acclimated with the rookies. And just, I mean, I know Drew Brees does it. I know other veterans do it. Cam Jordan does it usually. So, those, those guys do do it, but I can't wait for training camp. I can't wait for the rookies to get here. The rookies, they're probably just going to get more of the playbook under their belt. They're going to get more of just the plays under their belt, where they got to be. And I think the Saints have a pretty strong rookie class this year. And 25th, the veteran players show up. And the 27th, the real fun begins when padded practices start. And I can't wait for that. There will be one practice at Yulman Stadium on Tulane's campus. so And that's going to be probably at night, you know, the whole big fan base. Some of the fans can come, but usually 12 sessions are available to fans. Obviously, I won't be able to get down there to see any of them, but if anybody has some footage and stuff, definitely email me, tweet me on Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. I'll tell you guys all that stuff at the end of the podcast, but if you're going to go down there, definitely send me some pictures, or maybe you got something signed by the players. That's always really cool. I love to see that as well. Also, the Saints will have joint practices with the Los Angeles Chargers on August 15th and 16th, and if you're in California then, in Costa Mesa, California, you will need tickets there, so definitely buy those tickets if you want to go to those practices with the Chargers. They run on a ticket system. The Saints do not. So that's really what it is for the Saints here in training camp. I can't wait to see some battles. The main training camp battle I think it's going to be, there are a few, The one is, obviously, defensive end. I think that's big. And wide receiver. Those are the two big ones for me. And then after that, I kind of want to see tight end three. I know it's not a big battle, but I think it's... I want to see who wins that. Either Alaze Mack or... Is it going to be Garrett Griffin players like that? I definitely want to see that for sure. That's all going to be interesting stuff there. So now, we're going to get into our next set of news. And that is about Chris Sims' ranking list about the top QBs in the league. It's a bad list. I think we all know that at this point, and I don't really want to rant, rant on Chris Sims because we all know he's not a good analyst. He's not a, a reputable analyst. He put Drew Brees 10th on the top 10 QBs in the NFL, puts Tom Brady 9th, so it's not just he ratted out Drew Brees. He basically ratted out all the good QBs in the league, Big Ben 6th. Cam Newton and Matt Ryan are both above Brees at 7 and 8, which I don't under, understand as well about how he can rank Breeze, who's had better stats, he's had better success over the last few years than both of these guys. I just don't understand this. I really don't. If anybody could explain that to me, I, I don't see I really would want him to really, because him give more, because this is what he said. He said, Breeze is 10th on this list, because Breeze, when you took Mike Thomas away, he wasn't didn't do much in the playoffs. Okay, well, first of all, Breeze did have a little of an injury. I'm not even going to put that out of the question. But he did do pretty good against the Rams. It's a playoff game, which you're not going to score 45 points. We're out of that 2011 Saints team where they would just put on points on points. The defense was better. The game was on a different pace as well. So he, the, the Saints did score 20 points, but it really would have been 24 points 
if the no call was called and the flag was thrown, then the Saints would have scored a touchdown there and the Saints would have won the game. So, look, you want to put that on, you know, they took out Mike Thomas, but Alvin Kamara had over 150 yards, over 10 catches. I don't think they really shut down the Saints' offense. Look, do you do I think that the Saints definitely were a little worse in the playoffs and stuff? I do, but not much worse where it was like, you know, they're now not a top 10 offense. These are playoff teams, playoff atmospheres. It's tough to win in those games. I don't care where you are. You're playing at home on the road. And to me, the Saints did put up enough points to win both games. It's not like they cracked under the pressure like Jared Goff did in the playoffs. Thank God he just didn't put Goff over. He didn't announce his top five yet. But I, I just don't understand that. I think Breeze is a top three QB. And I'll talk, tell you my top five because then, I mean, me criticizing Chris Sims without even giving my top five, I think that's also kind of would be a knock on me. So I'll name my top five right now. I think Breeze is probably not number one. I'll put Brady ahead of him. And then Mahomes and Breeze would be vying for that number two spot. You want to give it to Mahomes because he won MVP? Fine. And I think Breeze is third. Behind Breeze, I think, is Phillip Rivers. Big Ben's up there. Players like that. Aaron Rodgers is up there. He's probably in the top six. I don't think Cam Newton's in my top 15. Matt Ryan's probably like 12 or 11. I I really don't like Cam Newton. I think he's a really lackluster QB. I think he's very, very raw still. And it's at that point where he shouldn't be raw. He's eight, nine years into his career. And he still overthrows easy passes, wide open receivers. And why is he better than Drew Brees? And if I had ever, ever had the chance to talk to Chris Sims... I would say, why is Cam Newton better? I really don't understand that. He put up less points than Breeze, and he always misses receivers. We'll see what Devin Funchess does now that he's off that team, and he's on the Colts now. Let's see what he does. I think he's—I I like Devin Funchess. I like his abilities to be a possession receiver. I think he could do a really good job with the Colts, and he may have a really good season as well, because I, I just don't see Cam Newton. He's extremely inaccurate. Yes, he can run. But he's not like a running threat as he used to be. If he's he's not a good pocket passer, he's no pocket prowess. He's definitely not like Breeze. I just don't I don't see it. So maybe someone else can point that out to me. Maybe he can point that out to me if he wants to talk to me about it. I would love to have Chris Sims on the show to talk about his QB rankings and his what he thinks because I would like to think that'd be a nice discussion. He would obviously never come on this show, but I think he's just looking for the views. I think he's just looking for us to talk about him, which maybe I shouldn't be talking about him. Just let this go. Look, to be quite honest with you, it's, it was a bad ranking. A bad ranking is top 10. And after that, I think, I don't think Cam Newton makes the top 10. Andrew Luck is probably in the top 10. Not probably, he is in the top 10. Other, I think Rivers is in there after that. Then Russell Wilson's in there. You want to talk about other... I don't think Goff's in there. I don't. I think Sean Watson's probably in the late top 10. That's just what I feel. Maybe people disagree with me, and that's fine. But tell me why. Do you guys think Breeze is not a top 5 QB anymore? Because I certainly do. Does anybody agree with Chris Sims out there? I would like to hear from you. And for everyone that doesn't, I want to hear from you too. So that, I think that's what this is going to wrap up this segment, the new segment. Because I do think that this is just a really bad ranking. And... I don't know what Chris Sims is thinking. So now we're going to move on to our main topic, and that's going to be the top five most intriguing games of 2019. We are going to rank them in order from the, the fifth most intriguing game to the first most intriguing game. I think the Saints' schedule is they have a lot of intriguing, intriguing games on the schedule. First of all, the Saints don't play in a 1 o'clock game until, or it would be 12 o'clock Central time, but 1 o'clock Eastern time, that's the time zone I'm running on, is going to be week five. So they have four straight weeks where they're not on that 1 o'clock schedule. They're going to be on primetime and national TV. First week's ESPN, then Fox, CBS, and NBC. So all the major networks they're on 
which I think is really interesting. Then they go back on the Fox game of the week, week seven, and then they have a few ending weeks with also at late, but they usually don't schedule those late games for like later in the season until later in the season when they see the teams that are good and stuff. So I think the Saints will add a couple of weeks on there as well, but at least the first four weeks, they'll all be national TV. So that's kind of interesting, but let's name these five games here to start. And I'm going to start with number five, the Super Bowl rematch of 2009, the Super Bowl 44 rematch, and that is going to be against the Indianapolis Colts in the Dome, Monday Night Football, Monday, December 16th. This is going to be a great game because I think the Colts had a really good offseason. I think they had a really solid additions. They added Justin Houston. They added Devin Funches, who I think is a solid receiver. That is a good possession receiver that they kind of needed. They kept Eric Ebron, which is big. They still have Jack Doyle coming back, which is also really big. I think they have a really good offensive line. They added to it. They finally got a good offensive line with Ryan Kelly, Costanzo, Quentin Nelson, all really good guys. Glosniski is really good as well. They have Justin Houston, as I said. They also picked up Malik Hooker, which is really good. He's a really good player. I like him a lot. So overall, Darius Leonard, who had an amazing rookie season, really good stuff. I think overall, this team is a really good team. And It's going to be a tough win, especially late in the season, but I think if the Saints win this game, that could be like a division clincher or something. So I think that's going to be a really big game, and I do think that this is going to be one of the better games of the season. And why? Because you have two great QBs, you have two great offenses, two great defenses. I think defense is also really good. Monday Night Football, it's a recipe for a really good game. Super Bowl rematch, I think we all want to see that. Overall, really good stuff. I'm really happy of what the Saints and that game will put out. I'm really excited for it as well. And for this to only be number five to me, it's just it just shows how there are a lot of games on the schedule. Not not that they're hard, but there are a lot of story games that have a story behind it. And I think that's just great for the fans. I think that's great for the Saints. Give some extra motivation. All really good stuff there. The fourth game is going to be at Seattle. This is going to be a big game. And why is it going to be a big game? Is because the Saints haven't won Seattle in a very long time. They did beat the Seahawks back in 2015 or 2016. I think it was 2016, but that was in the Dome. Now they go to Seattle, where they've had a lot of problems 2010, and they had two losses in 2000, and they had a loss in 2013, two losses in 2013, and one in the playoffs, one in the regular season. And there is kind of a backstory there. The Saints, I think there's a little rival between Sean Payton and Pete Carroll. Drew Brees and Russell Wilson will always be compared because of their height. You're going to obviously have to watch this, and I think this is going to be a big game coming off of the emotional high that's going to be at Los Angeles. Then you got to stay in the West Coast, play a really tough, gritty Seattle team. I think the Saints will beat them because I don't think the Seattle roster, I think it took a step back. It just really didn't add any weapons, and they only added Metcalf, but I don't think really Metcalf's going to have that big of an impact because I just don't think he's really ready there. But they really don't have, I mean, Chris Carson's their starting receiver. They have no great wide receivers, really. I really don't like this team. And they really don't have the best line as well. You know, they're starting DJ Fluker, who's really not that good. They did add Ziggy Anza, but that's really it. They have a good linebacking core, but they've always had. And their back end, it's no Legion of Boom anymore. We all know that. They have Shaquille Griffin starting there, Trey Flowers. It's no Legion of Boom. But they still have a pretty good team. I just don't think it's a... Uh, I, I just don't think that they're going to have a really good team. And I trust the Saints to win this game. But the Saints have had their troubles at Seattle, and anything can really happen in this game, and I just want to see the Saints go in there and beat Seattle at their own game, 
run it down their throat, quiet that crowd, and win the game. It's going to be on prime, not prime time, but on national TV, 425. It's going to be a big game. Those Seattle fans will be pumped. They'll be loud. And we just got to go out there and win. We Obviously, we've had our history with the Seahawks and some bad playoff history. So let's get avenge that. I think that's the fourth most intriguing game there. Before we get into our top three most intriguing games, we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Who Dat Discussion Podcast. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back into the Hoodat discussion. We are discussing our top five most intriguing games for 2019 we put up our four and five slots and that is going to be the fifth slot is going to be versus indianapolis and then our third game is going to be at seattle week three and the indianapolis game is week 15 both games are i think are gonna have a lot of importance so going into the top three this is where it does get interesting there are three games here that i think are clearly the most important they're all three away games i think that's going to say a lot as well I'm going to go number three here as at Chicago. This is obviously going to be... There was a lot of talk. I'll get into that backstory. But this is going to be a big game. They're a division winner. We were a division winner. That's why we're playing them. 425 on Fox, October 20th. It's going to be interesting. This is what I feel. Looking at the backstory to this, you have you have Cam Jordan coming out, saying on NFL Network, saying he wanted to start the season against the Bears because the Bears will be an easy opponent for the Saints. They'll Not like an easy opponent, but he said they'll be able to win it because they'll set the intensity, and it's a good game to set the intensity. They'll be able to match their level of intensity and go out and win the game because they're not very talented. They're just a rugged-out team. Then you have Akeem Hicks coming back, guaranteeing a win against the Saints. He guaranteed a win. He said that, you don't know what you're talking about, kind of made fun of Cam Jordan, and that started a little uh, Twitter war back and forth between these two. Hakeem Hicks uh, had some, he had some words for the Saints along the way because the Saints traded him in 2015. He said he was blindsided. He did everything the Saints said, and then and then he gets traded, and he obviously has a really good career. Did a lot of really good stuff for Chicago, and that's great for him. And I'm, I'm I really want to put anything wrong to Hakeem, Hakeem Hicks, but coming out and saying that was a little iffy. We all know Cam Jordan does say stuff, and he does go out and says things about other teams and about players. I just think that no one overstepped the line, I don't think. But there's some bad blood going in here. The Bears and the Saints ended their season on heartbreak fashions. The Bears do have a really good team. I, I think they're going to be the team, the one of the division winners, that just takes a step back this year. That's just what I feel. I don't really trust Trubisky. I don't really trust their their any of their weapons, really. They lost their starting running back, so now Tariq Cohen's their number one running back. 
Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel is going to round out their hurt receiving core, which I don't think is very good. Troy Burton did have a good year, but I don't think he's like a top, top tight end here. Probably top 10, maybe 10th, but Jared Cook's much better. Their offensive line's not really that good. Their defense is probably one of the best in football, top two. They have a really good line with Akeem Hicks, Goldman, Jonathan Ballard, really good players. Then their linebacking core is the best in the league, I think, with Leonard Floyd, Danny Trenathan, Roquan Smith, and then Khalil Mack. Obviously, he's amazing. Their secondary is really good with HaHa Clinton Dix, Prince Amukamura, Kyle Fuller. That's a good back. And Eddie Jackson had a really good year last year. But I think overall, the Saints can match up against their defense, and I think they can easily stop their offense more than the, the Bears will have trouble stopping the Saints offense. I think the Saints offense will come out there, probably score in the 20s points, and that'll be enough because I don't think that the Bears are scoring more than 20. That's just what I feel. Uh, it will be a grinded-out game, and especially the Bears guarantee to win, Alkeem Hicks guarantee to win, and I don't know how the, they're going to come in. They're probably going to come fired up. It is at Bears, but it's not that late in the season, so it probably won't be that cold yet. Um, it's uh, October 20th, not that cold yet, and then I think the Saints will, will be able to grind it out, get the win, be able to run their ball on their defensive line, which is not the best run defense defensive line. They're very good, obviously, against the pass, and they are good. I'm not saying they're bad against the run. They're good against the run, but it's, it's one of their worst parts of their defense, and I think they'll be able to run the ball with Kamara, run the ball with Latavius Murray, and come out with a victory. I think that's definitely possible there. And then second most intriguing game, it's Thanksgiving night, second year in a row. This time it's at Falcons, and maybe this is going to become a tradition for the night game, Saints and Falcons. Wouldn't that be fun? Because this game's going to be interesting. I think it may decide the, the division, because the Saints go through this four-game stretch. They go Atlanta, Tampa Bay, Carolina, Atlanta. If they come out there going 4-0, they win that division. We know that. If they go 3-1, and you're probably still good. 2-2, two and two, then it gets more wishy-washy. But this is a big game statement game to win. Probably at that point, it will be to win the division. Or close to that. We'll probably to put the Saints up multiple games, and I think that's obviously really good stuff. And they're going to need that to win. I think this game, I think the Saints will be able to win. All the games, though, at Atlanta always are close, and they always come down to the wire. It did last year with the, the spin move of the Saints winning the game. That's how they really won that game. They tied it up and they won it overtime. Then the year before, the Saints lost on the Deion Jones pick in the end zone to win the game for the Falcons. And then the year before that, they had another, I believe the Saints won that game, but it was another tough a close game, and then the year before that, when the Falcons were really good, they did blow, they didn't blow up the Saints, but I think they won by seven points. But every game's very close. We all know that. So now we know. I, I, I think it's gonna be a really close game, probably another close game, but I think the Saints would be able to grind it out for the same reasons that the for the same reasons that they'll probably beat the Bears too. I think the, the Saints match up better than the Falcons, basically at every position throughout the field. I think they're built similar ways, but I think the Saints are just built a little better. So that's just what I feel there. And then our final game and most intriguing game of this season, I think, is at Los Angeles week two. This is a tone setter. It's a tone setter to start the season off. If the Saints go in there, crush those Rams, which we all want. Which, yeah, maybe I'm still a little salty about it, but I think all Saints fans still are. That no call was probably the worst play in Saints history. And they got to avenge it. We avenged the Minnesota Miracle by winning that game last year. Do it again. We gotta win this game. It's a must-win, in my opinion. It would start the year off great. It says all that stuff's behind us. Now it's on to this year. Win out week one. I'm hoping they win at home against Houston, and then it's a must-win against Los Angeles week two. It's a must-win. Start out two and zero. Be a great start, and I can't wait to see it. I really, I can't wait to see it. The Saints. When you're looking at the Rams, I think they obviously still have a great offense. 
They didn't really change, but they kept all their guys, so that's really good. Same with their line. But I, I think their their line's not that good, I don't think. I think we can stop it. I think it got a little worse than last year. But their skill position players, got to give it off to them. They we were able to keep them. Looking at their secondary, they have Akeem Tlaib, Marcus Peters. We all know that. John John Johnson and Eric Weddle, they added. I don't think Eric Weddle, I think he's getting up there in age. I don't think he's going to have a huge impact. I really don't like the addition of Clay Matthews. I think he's washed up old. I do not like their linebacking core. Again, I think it's lackluster, worse than ours. They have Aaron Donald, who's very, very good. And they have Michael Brockers, who's good. Besides that, their defense is not really good. I think the Saints will be able to score on it. Their offense you stop them to 20 points, they should win a game. Saints should win. And I think that's going to be the same thing in Week 2. I think the Saints will already have that warm-up game against the Texans. Not like it's a warm-up game, but they'll already be into their system a little bit. Coming into Week 2, they'll be ready to go. And I think it's a must-win. Everyone knows the significance of it, and I think that's really what it is here. It's definitely the most intriguing. It's the best game to watch. And after that, it can start the season off in a great way. So, before we move over to some Houdat Nation fan questions, we're going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Who Dat Discussion Podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. So welcome back. We're going to now answer some Houdat Nation fan questions. This week we had four questions from Saints fans and I'm very happy that you guys sent these questions and I think we're just going to get right into it. So our first question is from Saints fans since 83 and he asks, what do you think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's role will be with the Saints this year? I think he's going to be that nickel player, that dime player. I think he's going to play in the box more. I think he's a playmaker. He's going to make some tackle for losses, make some nice picks. I think he's a raw player, but I think he can. He shows Pro Bowl spurts, and I think I think he can actually be a Pro Bowler late. He reminds me of a kind of unpolished version of Jamal Adams, who's on the Jets, and I see him a lot because I'm from New York, and I do see a lot of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in Jamal Adams. I think they're similar players. They both hit hard. They both make tackles really good. They both are good at making plays on the ball as well. So I, I really think he's going to be the nickelback to start, be a good nickelback, and it's. I think he's going to head. I think he's going to head one of the Saints secondary. I think it's going to be the best we've seen in, under the Sean Payton Drew Brees era, and I do think that it's going to be. This is going to be a great secondary. You have Lattimore, Apple, then you have in the slot. You're probably going to have either PJ Williams or Patrick Robinson, and then your nickel guy is. Johnson, Garner Johnson, that's really good. I love it. I love that secondary. It's really good, and I can't wait to see it. Also, you have Von Bell, Marcus Williams, and it's it's, it's good. It's top. It's, I think it's top 10, top 5. I, I think it's a really good system, and I do think that Gardner Johnson's role is going to be really big for the Saints. I think he's going to get a lot of tackles. I think he's going to get a lot of tackle for losses. I think he's going to get a lot of interceptions. I could see him having a four or five pick year. I, I think he's going to be really good. I think he's going to advance the Saints defense, and I think that's really good stuff. And then also a question that kind of pairs with this is from Zoe D 109 and she asks, what if any draft picks do you think will start in the 2019 season? And I think that Eric McCoy is going to start. 
there were some, you know, people talking about how he was missing snaps and Drew Brees, and there were some missed snaps. But I don't think that's an issue. They they supposedly, according to Sean Payton, they got that figured out. And we'll see in training camp if they really did. He's a starter. He's going to come up in here. I'm really happy the Saints got him. He's, I think, one of the steals of the draft. He fell. A lot of offensive linemen fell. To me, he was the best center in the draft. They got their center they wanted. Really good job. I think he'll start. That's good. Johnson, as I said, will start in the nickel role. I won't really get into more of that. But I think he's going to advance the Saints' play at the secondary and add really good depth. I didn't say this before. And he's going to add really good depth. Let's say P.J. Williams regresses or Eli Apple regresses or someone else regresses or someone else gets hurt. Then he'll step right in there and he can play that role and he can be a good player in that role and a playmaker. I think he could be a really good player. He's going to definitely play a lot of positions around the secondary. He's extremely resourceful, really flexible, and he could do a lot of great stuff at different positions, which is obviously amazing. And I'm really happy what Gardner Johnson's role is. After that, you're looking at guys like like Saquon Hampton, more of a special teams player. The Saints had him ranked in their top 70, but he fell really far on the boards for whatever reason. I think he's going to start special teams and work his way up in the secondary. And then Alaze Mack, I think he's going to be that number three tight end. Not a starter, obviously, but that's just my projection for him. Maybe he catches 15, 20 balls, makes a couple of touchdowns. I think that would be big for him. Kind of take Dan Arnold's spot. And then also, and also, you have to look at Caden Ellis, who I think will also be a special teams player. Maybe it was a big playmaker at Idaho, but that's a small school. I think he's a player to come in here, probably have a good preseason, and then come in and start with the Saints on special teams. That's what I feel. Then... You're going to look also at Andrea to free agents. I think Carl Granderson, barring all his legal stuff, goes good. He can get some reps with the Saints. I think he would, he would have been a fourth, fifth round pick. He could be a situational pass rusher for the Saints this season, along with Davenport. I think he can be big. And also, you got to look at little Humphrey Jordan from the wide receiver spot. Also, Devin, Oz- also Devin Ozgbo. Hope I'm saying that correct. I think he could also be a player, come in, be the third string, and if someone gets hurt, I think he could do a really good job. He kind of reminds me of a young Mark Ingram, so that's just what I feel there. And then also, little Humphrey Jordan, he can be a slot player that overtakes Keith Kirkwood, maybe Rashad Matthews, if he shows out in training camp, but we didn't really hear much about him, which I think was kind of interesting in mini. So our next question is going to be from Brian Perkins, and he asked, have the Saints done enough to remain competitive in the NFC? And I just think that's a big yes. The Saints, look, they added Jared Cook, which I think is going to be a huge addition. I said that at the beginning of the offseason. I said it in the middle of the offseason. And I'll say it now at the end here. I think he's going to come in here, be the best addition. He's going to be kind of like that Demario Davis to the Saints was last year. I think he could have the same type of impact this year. I think he's going to go out, catch 70 balls, could get maybe 800 to 900 yards. Maybe he catches eight touchdowns. He's going to be a really good red zone threat. I think he's going to be a really good player for the Saints, and I do think that he could be a player that comes up and does some really good stuff overall. They also added they added Malcolm Brown, a player that is an upgrade over Tyler Davidson. That's really good, especially with Rankins out for the first few weeks. That's going to be obviously really big for the Saints' defensive interior defensive line. That's really big, especially with Mario Edwards as well. They add Gardner Johnson in the draft, as well as McCoy. They kind of show up that offensive line with Max Unger retiring. They get Nick Easton as well, who is going to be that Senio Calamente type player, which I love to get those types of players. Really good stuff as well for the Saints to get a swingman that can play basically every position across the offensive line. And it was a pretty low contract with only $4 million guaranteed over one year. So that's obviously really good stuff as well. But the Saints can keep him over four years for $20 million. That's really good. I think that's a good deal as well. Then you're looking at what other teams added. Yeah, the Rams added some players, but they also lost players. They lost Ndamukong Sue. 
and then you want to look at other players in our division. The Panthers, they basically that that great defense from 2015's gone. Basically, they had a lot of subtractions. The Bucks are just doing a full rebuild, so I really am not worried about them. And then also you got to look at the Falcons, who lost players, added players. They added Tyler Davidson, but look, I think we got a better player than him. Um, on offense, they didn't really add anyone. They actually lost Devontae Freeman. They actually lost Tevin Coleman, which I think could be a problem for them. I do think that the Saints will be very competitive, and I think they can win the NFC, win the Super Bowl. I think they're in a good position, just as good a position as they were last year, starting in 2018. And I think 2019, they just have a just as good spot. Brian also asked, will Drew be replaced if he starts to decline like he did last year? I don't think so. Even if he played like he did in the playoffs, he's still like a top 10 QB. And I think he's better than Teddy Bridgewater. If Breeze is like Peyton Manning bad, which is like a whole step down, top 20, top 25, you may see Bridgewater get a shot. Especially because I think at that point, Breeze might be hurt or something, and it might be best for the team for the Saints to give to get to Bridgewater. But I think that it's an emergency situation that I do not think is going to happen. I think Breeze will be the quarterback for the whole season. I don't. I mean, if, if the Saints, if Breeze doesn't become the quarterback for the full year, I think the Saints are going to have big issues because I don't think the Saints could win right now without Breeze being a top 10 QB. Maybe Bridgewater surprises me, but I think Bridgewater still needs a little work, and I think he needs some reps in the number one QB as a number one QB to to really be the full QB for the Saints. That's just what I feel and really a QB to be reckoned with, but that's just what I feel. I mean, I like Bridgewater. I like what he can do, but I think Breeze is definitely the number one, and I think it's going to be his job to lose for the rest of his career. That's just what I feel there. And then our final question is from HoodatFan94123, and he asks, which player is most likely to break out and regress? So, looking at the that I think could break out, I'm going to look at Rashard Matthews on the offense, and then on the defense, I'm looking at Marcus Davenport. I th- I, more Matthews, th- that's my main guy. I think Matthews, he had a bad 2018. We all know that. But I think now, he's going to be ready to, he's going to be ready to come out win, take a number two or three wide receiver spot with the Saints, and I think run with it. I think he can put up 60 catches or whatever it is, 50 catches, 700 yards, you know, around what Ted Ginn is. I think he can actually overtake Ted Ginn for what, for that number two role, but that, that's just what I feel. Um, I think he's going to have a really good season, and I really like when the Saints picked him. I like a lot what he can do. I love his film. I was just watching it the other day, and he just did a lot of great things. He does so many different things. He doesn't do one thing amazing, but he does a lot of things great. He has great, good speed going deep, which, I mean, it's not amazing speed, but it's good speed, solid. He's a solid route runner. He's a solid um, player. He's a solid hand strength. He has solid playmaking ability. He's just a solid player, and I think the Saints kind of need that, and I think he will put solid numbers for them and be a nice safety net for Drew Brees going into 2019. Davenport, I think he's going to double his sack total. I think he's going to put up eight sacks, seven to nine sacks. I think he's going to be in that range, and he's going to be starting. I think he's going to get most of the snaps, and I think he's going to have a good season, and I think that's really going to be big for him. So doubling your sack total, to me, is a breakout season. So I think that's going to help Davenport there, and he's going to, I think he's going to have a pretty big second-year jump. I know Michael Thomas had a really big second-year jump from 2016 to 17, and I'm hoping that Davenport can do the same players that regress and this is i don't like talking about this especially this is going to be the last part of our questions segment here the who that needs from fan questions and and this is really interesting because i think there are two players and this is just by saints history that i think 
could regress. And that's B.J. Williams and Eli Apple. Both players, not that they came out of nowhere last year, but they had some struggles, either P.J. Williams in past years and early this year, and Eli Apple with the Giants. And then they come into this system kind of mid-year through, work really hard, get to where they got to be, and had a really good year. Eli Apple, there wasn't many fil- much film on him when he was on the Saints, and, th- and, that- and that's obviously going to be a little part of the reason why he was able to have some success. The Saints put him in different looks, and that he didn't really do on the Giants, and that helped him a lot. They gave him help, and he, su- and he was successful. And they left Lattimore out on the island, and it really worked out for the Saints. They did re- In some games, it kind of backfired on them, but most games, they were ready and did a really good job. And I, and I think that's why they're actually with Gardner Johnson. It's going to be better because now they'll be able to, in nickel packages, give help to Lattimore and give help to Apple. So that's just what I feel there when it comes down to those players. But I think they do have an opportunity to regress because look at Ken Crawley. Coming in 2018, we're thinking Saints top 10 cornerbacks. They should. Definitely tandem. Great tandem. Ken Crawley's coming in. And Ken Crawley just had an awful year. Not to say that's going to happen again, but... It definitely was not a good year. So that that's just what I feel there. And look, it's a possibility in Saints history could say that cornerbacks regress. A lot of Saints cornerbacks do have regressed. It's a really tough uh, position to go two years in a row and do some really good stuff two years in a row. I think the Saints, I think they're going to have one of these two guys probably do it. Maybe both of them will be really good. I hope both of them are really good. But there are some signs where you're just like, especially P.J. Williams, where he had the DUI, that's not good, and, and that's definitely bad. We all know it, Eli Apple, what he came with in those locker room problems when he had in New York. Hopefully that doesn't resurface with the Saints. But that's just what I feel from those guys. I don't think it will be a problem, but I do think that they haven't. They may regress. Not to say that they will. I think there's a chance they do. If I had to predict them to regress or not, I'd probably say they didn't. But I think there's a definitely... The biggest bust potential from these, from all everyone on the Saints, is these guys. And I don't think that that's that's high, that high. I think I expect Eli Apple to come in here and actually work on what he did in 2018, and he's gonna you know our playbook even better and stuff. And same with PJ Williams, he's gonna have some competition that should drive him. So and look, if both of them regress, the Saints are extremely deep in the secondary. They have Gardner Johnson that can take over. They have Patrick Robinson, both to me starter material players, and I think both of them could do that. So that is our final question. So I think it's time to wrap up this podcast. First, thank you to everybody who asked a question. Brian, Zoe, HudatFan94123, and SaintsFan since 83. Thank you so much for asking those questions. If you guys want to ask a question, you can tweet us at the this and just put AskHudatDis, hashtag AskHudatDis at the bottom so we know you're asking a question. And then also, usually before every episode, I'm just going to send out a tweet saying send us your Houdat Nation fan questions to be answered on the next episode. And I'll probably send those out also on Instagram. So if you want to follow us on Instagram and ask questions on there, we are at the Houdat Discussion on there as well and if you haven't already please subscribe to our youtube channel itunes channel spotify channel and google play channel as well as stitcher and tune in we're trying to get on the iHeartRadio and himalaya podcasting apps as well and i will we'll probably have those up real soon as well if you listen to your podcasts on there but besides that this is kind of a long podcast so i think we are gonna wrap this up so with all that said i want to say thank you Finish the deal and who dat?